millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Josh Brown, video games. I don't know how I'm alive, man. I don't know how I am awake. (laughs) Is more Elden Ring than man. In work. I actually feel it at this point. I was looking at my playtime last night, Mm. which to some might not seem that much, but I played 45 hours of this game, Scott Hilford, and then I realized it's only been out a week. And in that week, (laughs) I've been out to gigs. I went to see the Batman at midnight. I've been doing stuff. You were doing... I've been doing work. I don't know how this has happened. (laughs) You were so many different things. And you've not even been to the castle that I went to in the Northwest. You went to some weird castle in a lake or something. I don't even know what that is. Apparently it's a main path. Talk about this castle all morning. <laughs> me and Scott Telford have been talking about Elden Ring and where we've been in the map. And Scott managed to somehow miss a giant dungeon, like one of the main dungeons. It's not big. big. It's a big <laughs> castle in the middle of a lake that you can see from all sides. Uh, I was misled as to where this thing is. And I, okay, the thing is, backtrack. One, Listen. this is the windup. Yes. I'm Scott Telford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. Usually we just dive in, you know, whatever's breaking in the gaming industry or whatever. Maybe we have different conflicting points on something that we want to break down. Of the winder, but also winding you up for the week with whatever's worth talking about across gaming. And speaking of things we're talking about, Elden Ring is everywhere. <laughs> Horizon, not even heard of her. Elden Ring is all over the social media feeds, left, right, and center, and we're still getting through it. Now, it's not the only thing we're going to be talking about because we both played quite a lot of Gran Turismo 7. That game is gorgeous. One of the only things that's taken me off Elden Ring. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the future of or the rest of 2022 because, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty dice. Might be done, to be honest. Done. But 2022 might it's be done. Early February. Game of the year, we can call right now, it's Elden Ring, followed by Sifu, but we'll see how that goes. Um, But to get back to Elden Ring, um, obviously, yes, we're still playing through it. A lot of different people obviously are massive sales for the game, outsold everything. Um, Even I think it was the biggest boxed sales release in uh, in the UK since Call of Duty or something. And I think it's interesting looking at social media, the amount of people who keep hitting bosses. You'll see like Godric trending. I saw Radan was trending this morning. So I'm assuming that a a clump of people are getting there. Um, And if you look at the trophy percentage, is, you know, you've got about 50% of people have now beaten Gotrek, so it seems like a lot of people are getting through the game. Um, hence why I think it's worth just sort of talking about the different ways you can approach it, and when me and you started comparing notes, or whenever we compare notes, we're playing two different games still. <laughs> I'm using the bow and arrow, I'm using the magic spells, I'm not going to the place in the lake, and I'm going to the place with the big spiders in the, t- in the northwest. You've been doing something completely different. Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Like, so many people can have completely different experiences, but you mentioned there about sort of specific builds. I think mm. that's been really fascinating, because, you know, we have very different um, kind of things that we want to get <laughs> out of this game and brains as well. Like I know you're going for a potentially magic heavy build, so you no, can use no, the I just, magic weapon. I just like for my thing.
thing was that if I got uh, so if someone if someone walked into this room right now and said, "Do you want a dragon for an arm?" Right. And but you've got to spend time getting your intelligence up. Yeah. I'd do it. I'd do it, mate. You know what? So that's, that's what I'm doing. I mean. I can't fault the logic because I saw that dragon eye myself and I thought, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. And then I realized how I would have to spec my character. And I thought, I'm not spending 10 hours doing that, which is interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, how do you feel about the scale? That's kind of what I want to mm. talk about because the game is so big. Like I said, I'm 45 hours in mm. and I feel like I'm only halfway through, perhaps. I know right. there are a bunch of areas that characters are alluding to mm. that I'm pretty sure are main quests, but I've only killed two of the main bosses. I'm going for right. my third and um, about halfway through the area for them. I think it's the same place you are, you know, the big, the place with the big oh, red sky. Oh, I'm everywhere at once. I'm Yo. teleporting. I'm everywhere. Well, no, I'm at the place with the big red sky. Yeah, uh, I'll put it that Northeast. way. And it got to a point where, not at the weekend, but maybe Friday or Thursday, where I had finished the northern side as far as like, I could go, because I just went straight north. I hadn't done, you know, west, south, mm. anything like that. I just went straight north, and I finished it. And then once I finished that section, um, I just sort of was a little bit overwhelmed right. about the prospect of starting anymore. And for a good few hours, maybe three or four, while I was moving and starting out another area, I just thought, ooh, has this lost something? Has this lost a bit of magic? Yep. But then fortunately, I got over that hurdle, and now that was <laughs> 10 hours ago, and I'm back into it again, baby. <laughs> the irony is you could have spec towards magic, and it might have, might have given you some more different <laughs> spells or something. Um, no, I, the thing with, with me is that I think I don't necessarily... I'm going to say a phrase and we'll pick it apart. I think they dropped the ball with storytelling. I don't think they dropped the ball with narrative or world building or immersion or any of those, you know, the lore or the history of the world. I, I love, like, you know, finding an item from one of the little, one of the groups of monks or one of the different religions or one of the different factions that's in the world and going like, okay, these are the, the fire monks and they believe this and it's where they came from or finding, um, like, I'm a samurai, so it's like all the, um, the people, like that, the history of that clan and everything. That stuff's fascinating. But I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. People keep telling me that it's I need to be the Elden Lord. Right. But my guy doesn't talk. I have no agency in this, really. And so I kind of have a thing where I love the mechanics. I love the world. I love everything about it. I do think it's game of the year. I think it's pristine, and I enjoy the vast majority of my time with it. But occasionally, I have that beat that you had where you kind of take a step back sometimes, or you come out of a combat encounter, you finish one of the main areas um, or whatever, and you kind of go... Okay, like why am I why am I doing this? Okay, it's it's for gameplay. It's for all these reasons other than story. There's right. no real drive. Sekiro showed such a um, improvement for them in terms of storytelling, like literal character storytelling. And I know Wolf was a mute character, but like it still gave you specific goals. You had a specific villain. You had Genichiro. Like in this, it's like go become the Elden Lord. What does that mean? Why am I doing it? Well, it's kind of to save the realm. It's kind of just to save everybody. It's very generic, very vague. Um, and so I, I care and I don't care, and it's easy for me to not care. It's funny because I agree with you. As always, I yeah. agree with you and also don't agree with you because uh, <laughs> like, I had the same feeling, like I said, once I finished the, the top section and I felt the exact same with, as you. I was like, oh, what's my drive? Like, mm. How do I focus this massive, massive world down? But it's funny because... I, I had that so much beforehand. When I right. went north, I had a load of things that I was following. I wasn't just following the light. You know, I, I knew I needed to go to that um, castle in the lake. Mm. I knew I needed to find something to get me it's through. so like, not in the lake. It's just not. It is literally in the lake. It's not in the lake, it Josh. Is, look at the map. <laughs> it's not in the lake. I can't get over this. It's in the land. It's not. Oh. <laughs> there is water under it. <laughs> right, I'm not going right. to. Oh. All bits aside, when yes. I was in that area, I had, um, yeah, I had more clear, or at least clear for a Souls game, goals. Like yes. I talked to someone in a church. He said, you need to um, go to that dungeon. But to get in the dungeon, you need to find um, a, a rune that lets you in. The so Glenstone then, Key? Yes, yes, the 
Glenstone Key. So then I was off looking for the Glenstone Key. I found something that pointed me towards the Glenstone Key. Uh. It, it, it made sense. I was in that area, and I knew there was a kind of puzzle to be solved. Once that puzzle was solved, um, yeah, it was just kind of, well, you can do this or you can do that. And then it was finding the next puzzle. Mm. Like, it was it was lighting that spark mm-hmm. that uh, that I was lacking. But fortunately, like I said, I got back on it because I did light the spark mm. and I fa- found more threads to kind of solve the puzzle of the next area. But it is when you're in those in-between parts, it can feel kind of, at least to me, a little bit intimidating, a little bit aimless. But fortunately, um, I do think the storytelling pulls it around. Mm. And hopefully once you get to, again, all bits aside, once you get to that big dungeon near the lake, right. uh, I feel like you might get a bit more of a drive there. That, that'll be hilarious if that was the thing that I needed was in what is ostensibly the second main major area. Because I've put 30 hours in and I've gone everywhere other than that second area. Like I beat Margaret, I beat Godric, then I went northwest. Well, then I went everywhere, but I eventually went northwest and did the stuff up there. Um, and I've just been a bit of everywhere. I'm in uh, Kylia or Kalia or that place to the northeast. Um, I've been all the way north. I saw what was north. There's some mad S up in the north. And uh, I did all that stuff. And I, I've done a lot of different things. Um, but I never went to that. Um, what, is, what you could say is the second main area. Like you go to Stormvale Castle, which is the first time it feels like a Dark Souls area. And then I never went to I, n- I haven't found something similar. I, well, I found something similar, but I haven't found something that is the same scale. Yeah. Where I've kind of, it hasn't felt like I found the second level, let's say. It's been a lot of open world stuff and little offshoots and mini dungeons and challenges and stuff like that. Um, but that's kind of the thing is that like it's so open-ended. And the storytelling, I want to compare to the other Souls games because like, yeah, but, well, one, how do you find the, the the literal sense of drive in this? Are you motivated by gameplay or are you motivated by story? Um, gameplay. Yeah. Though the story for me um, does play a bigger part than I thought it was going to. Like in Souls games, that's okay. usually a thing I just get off uh, Vatya video, you yes. know, um, essays and stuff like that, looking on the wikis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time around, it's felt, I, I feel like I know who people are and their relationships mm. with each other more. Mm. But for me, the, the, yeah, the drive is definitely gameplay. It's definitely looking at something in the distance and going, I want to figure out what that is, and then piecing it all together. Because like Dark Souls 1, it was like you started in the prison cell, you saw that person looking down at you, and it was like, well, I'm escaping this, I'm kind of overcoming stuff. There's almost like an inbuilt, for me, there was an inbuilt like sense of like, well, I'm going to conquer why whatever put me here, and I'm going to explore and get stronger. And you can argue that like Dark Souls story, it's barely anything. But like you get that intro cutscene, you get a bit of it in Elden Ring, but like, Bloodborne, you're um, waking up on the surgeon's table. You're there to get the cure. You find out about the hunters. You find out about the um, the village that's like you know beset by monsters, and and like you know you're going to do your part as the hunter, and that makes sense. Um, Sekiro, like I said, you're the wolf. You're protecting the prince. Like um, you're doing all these things, and Genshiro is your main enemy. And there's more uh, storytelling there with the, the flashback scene and what went wrong and why are you disgraced at the beginning. This for me hasn't had those things yet, and I, maybe it will. Um, but and it, it's kind of plays to its strength in terms of they got George Martin, George R. R. Martin to like to write such an incredible world law um, and that stuff is incredible and I like I do like those things but yeah for me if I kind of stick, take a step back now that I'm 30 hours in it doesn't have that backbone of like but keep going to see this like it's, it's right. keep going to see this but that this is always just whatever other open worldy thing might be there more souls and that's okay. fine it's great that's what it does immaculately but I kind of just wish there was a bit more drive in terms of my agency in this world I, I, I would say like uh, definitely go to that dungeon because I feel like that is <laughs> is it's important to get a bit of drive because you go there and then you go back to the round table hold, you know, mm. the place between time and space. Mm-hmm. And you talk to people there and they say like, right, okay, you've done this. This is where you need to go next. This is your next objective. Oh. And it's quite good in that way. And the objective initially is quite small, but yeah. then it kind of like rolls onto something else. It's funny because you're in the place with the red sky, you go north. And if you do that first and then go to the other thing, mm-hmm. you'll probably have everything you need to then progress. So you'll uh. get a really, I think, a really like tight and focused, like, 
couple hours of story right then just That'd because be you've got the stuff that you need. <laughs> Whereas I do the north and you're like, right, go to the place with the red sky. I keep forgetting his name. Go there. It's like Kylie or Kaylee or yeah, something. Yeah, Kaylee. Go there, try to find this other thing, and then come back to me after that. And I was right. like, okay, cool. But you're, you've kind of essentially done all your open world stuff, then you're going to do two major dungeons at the same time. Let's talk about um, the fact that it is so freeform. Because I it's its greatest strength, and you can argue its greatest weakness. I wouldn't argue its greatest weakness because I like the fact that it's so open-ended. You can go do whatever you want. And if you, if you like agency wise, if you think that you're this soul lost in the lands between and you wander in whatever direction and find stuff, that's fine. I'm personally saying that I would like a bit of story alongside, but you can argue thematically, whatever, inside the fiction, that's what that person might do. In terms of um, things like the tutorial debate, though, <laughs> like to sort of like spin it a bit, did, would you, is there any part of you that would want po- pointing in a certain direction at all, like in terms of this story stuff? Do you feel glad that you stumbled upon these things? And if you hadn't, do you think you'd be missing something? Um, I mean, there, there is a lot to miss, especially with like mm. NPCs and their quest lines. Like Even leveling up is like optional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot, but at the same time, it's, it's pointing me in directions way more than the other souls games did and I appreciate that like you said you know if you get the sights of grace Mm. you've got like the little arrows pointing you to points of interest if you do a grace mimic you can get points pointed to like non-story things you get this item called a grace mimic Uh which works like a grace but if you do it it's it's called like this chaos thing like it just points you to random events in the world that aren't story related so you can throw one of those down and it'll point in a direction and you can go off it how do you find one of them I've got like loads they're just around (laughs) I've got a single one they're just like items you can pick up off people. I think you might be able to buy them The sometimes. only other thing that I've got in terms of waypointing is you find those uh, statues of the hunched over old men yeah. and they look at like really simple, they look at challenge dungeons you can go and fight something and get an item that way. These work similar but you can mm. just throw them down like freeform. That's um, hilarious. And it, and it works quite well that way but also you know you can go back to the round table hold and you can talk to that dude, the grumpy old dude in his like library. Have you talked to him? There's a lot of grumpy old dudes in libraries. That is very true. He, look, he sounds a bit like Sean Bean. Uh, sometimes. I thought that was Sean Bean. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he, just, he sounds a lot like him, but uh-huh. like I like that he's there to kind of tell you more mm. about the law, about the individual lords you're going after, and yes. you can kind of spark some side quests. That conversation that well. thread is essential. Like, right, I, yeah. I don't know if I would have threaded that. I I wouldn't have threaded that somewhere else, but that is an essential conversation to have if you are feeling aimless, because I did. It's one of those things where it's like a um, like a Mass Effect-style conversation wheel where it's like, here's everything you might want to just sit down and drink in, because yeah. like, they have that character just be like, here's the seven lords or whatever that you're going to go and take out. Um, do you want their backstories, basically? And you kind of just sit there and go, yes, give me all this stuff, like Architects Matrix-style, which I did do. Um, so there was that. Um, it's just that weird feeling of like, you know, the, the realm's gone, to part, everything needs sorting out. Um, like everything's gone sideways, go fix it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, kind of. I mean, there, there, there are some areas that I kind of wish I went to earlier on because for me, like I said, you know, I, I did the starting area, I went to Stormview Castle, I went straight north until I couldn't continue mm. anymore. But that meant I missed, you know, Mistwood. I, I missed everything to the right and everything to the, underworld. Uh, the south. I missed the underworld. I missed the, like the bottom south area, which is just contained in itself. So I went to that last night after doing everything else, like level 60, mm-hmm. and everyone was just getting like one-shotted. I thought, that's quite <laughs> cool. But yes. at the same time, I wish I experienced that area earlier, but it was more of a challenge because it was visually spectacular. I thought mm. it had some really interesting quests, one involving kind of going to a fort and taking it back. Yes. And I was like, that I was cool doing it now, but it, it lacked a certain tension where I could just like one-shot the bosses more or less you know i do quite like that feeling of it's like breath of the wild had that where like certain areas are like you know like I, I most open world games have scaling per like geographical location i like that feeling when you go back and go like i'm just i'm so much better than i was last time i was here yeah. but i did have that um juxtaposition that i guess you don't have because i was exploring the mistwood um at the 
very beginning. That was where I went first. Like, that's right. the thing. People talking about this whole underworld bit, like, there was a reviewer who didn't find it for 90 hours. I found it in 10 minutes. Like, it's not a flex, but I, that's the way I went, and I just went to that elevator, pushed the button, and I was underworld. Like, so, you know, it's really easy for those things to de- deviate a lot. It, it totally is, and I love how many kind of, like, transporter spells are mm. in this. Like, there are so many boxes or chests that you would open and it transports you somewhere else. Yeah. You know, this morning we were talking about the, the capital city that people talk about. And I, I don't think I've been there. There's, there's, a, there's a chest, again, in the same area near the Mistwood. Uh, it's in, like, this, surrounded by a few enemies, but if you go in it, it, like, transports you to there. And there are so many things like that. Right. There was one character, for instance, who I won't spoil, uh, but it was a, was a big, big pop. But you, you meet them and they give you, the like, big this... big pop or big, big pot? A big pop. Fair. There is a guy in a big pot though, yes. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. 
I'll see you all soon. Uh, but yeah, I got transported uh, to the Mistwood as yes. well, and I was like, "These are this is so cool." And the first time I saw the bit with the red sky, it was because I came out of this cavern that I got transported to. Right. And I kind of came out the other side and thought, "Oh my god, I'm going to get wrecked here." Is this a tip and trick the game doesn't tell you for a mass audience? Because when you open some chests, just smoke comes out. Yes. Is that transporting me somewhere if I stay in it? It is. Yes. Interesting. I ran away. Well, every time. Interesting. I man. thought it was death. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be death? It's Elden Ring. I didn't even know you had an option to run away. I thought it just got you straight away. No, no, you open the chest and a bunch of like mist comes out. Yeah. And I was like, well, because in every other instance in any Souls game, that would be something that gives you petrification or, you know, blood damage or whatever. So I stood in it for a bit. Nothing right. happened. And I was like, well, they're just trolling me because they do that too. <laughs> and so I just sort of went, I left. And I we, we talked about this last week, um, not on the pod, but like you were saying, like, if you just stick around, something happens. Happens. Is yeah. that what the thing is? It teleports. Yes, Do you have to jump into the chest? No. Well, I did. I thought I just did it automatically. I just, just stood there getting gassed on, and then nothing happened. And I left. Maybe that was a glitch because every time I've done it, it just says like you are being transported. It's happened twice now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I've opened a couple. Opened a couple of chests, got gassed on, Beauty and the Beasted, and then didn't actually get anything on the other side of it. Interesting. Yeah, because it's happened to me every time. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that is a thing. But overall, that idea of you know, because you're uncovering the map, there are different parts that you can go to inside the the fogged parts of the map, and then it unlocks the fragments. Have you got a lot of them? I, for a time, I was prioritizing them. Uh, like the, 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 to, to unveil the map. You mean, yeah, like, like literally, you hit the touchpad. What is actually the full size of this map that I'm dealing with? Um, well, this is the thing that I was trying to avoid. This is why I didn't mm. go exploring. So I was like, I just want to kind of do this at my pace. Right. Uh, so I, I know that you sort of essentially went straight forward and didn't yet to yep. see the map, whereas I wasn't doing that. Now I'm just getting them as I go. So I've got a decent chunk of the map mm. now. I'll get them when I move into a new area, but I'm not going for them to like mish back. But I do love if, because um, I randomly talked to an NPC back at that. I don't know what that place is called that exists outside of place and time. Round Table Hold. Right, the Round Table Hold. Talked to a guy there who was like, do you want to meet the Beast Cleric? And I was like, yes, of course. Yeah. And then, I, and then he was like, well, here's the marker on the map. So I did that. And then that took me to the north. And then, but then when I looked at the, when I looked at the touchpad map again, it was zoomed all the way out. And yeah. I was just a little blip way in the north. So it's like, that was a good realization as well. I've got that bit. It's funny, like, you can just, I, I love it. That's, it's so many sending gates. Like I said, these transporter chests where you get uh, to bank a site of grace mm. it's miles away. And like you said, like the map kind of expands. Mm. And you kind of have these touchstones of, I can't wait to get there later. Like that place <laughs> you're talking about there, like talking that, to the beast in yes. there. I was like, that's cool. And I'm excited to get to this naturally uh, when I make my way Did you, um, I guess for anyone else who goes, who takes that warp stone, did you turn around and see what's directly behind you when you walk I there? did. I that's did. a thing. That's a fun thing. Um, that's a really fun farming spot, not for that creature, but there's other things around there that give you like a thousand souls each, okay. which is a really nice little farming spot. Um, we should talk about quest design overall because I've seen um, a lot of conversation around the fact that there is no quest log, that there is no, you know, make sure you go over here. Like, unless you're, I remember Jason Schreier tweeted, I, was, probably was, I think it was on the review day, saying, Saying like, you know, take a notepad with you when you play this because you're going to be making notes for this character told me this or this character told me that. And that has kind of um, bore fruit where it's, I, I don't know where I come down on it necessarily. I would like um, a, way, a way, a manual way to ping something to tell me, like, give me a hint. Because like you beat Godric, you get the great rune or whatever it is, one of the, the great souls. And you can take that back to that lady that lives in the round table hold for a specific weapon. But there's also, um, you need, they also tell you you need to go to a tower to like activate it properly or something. And it's like north of the, the castle. And I, I got so lost trying to find, I was like, there's tons of towers. It's past the bridge. 
bridge. There's tons of bridges. I got so lost. I only found that 30 hours in last night. I was like, oh, it's, it's not north of the castle, lads, Miyazaki. It's inside the castle and then east. It's not north at all. But things like that. And so I've, um, you know, I've gone back to, you mentioned something before that I remember that I'd started the quest of where a character had told me to go do something. Um, and I found this character called Rani, who's like a, a sorceress or a witch or something. Um, and she has like people who work for her. And she's like, oh, I need you to go find this other lost city. And I need you to go over here. And then you can like, and if you go there, you can be a character. And like these things that happen that are like, you know, multi-step quests, it's a lot to keep track of. Like, yeah. and, and it's a lot to sort of like, I, I don't know. Where'd you come down on the idea that the game should have some option for that? Um, does it lose something if it does do that? I think it may it may do because mm. you know it's 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 difficult, right? Because I think you just kind of have to go into this game knowing that if you're not having a walkthrough by your side, you're going mm. to miss some stuff like this. You're going to miss yep. some side quests. You're going to not see any NPCs at all. For me, I like that because it yep. means it, well, one, it encourages replayability. It means it makes me want to go through it again. Mm. Two, it encourages like discussion online, and you can finish the game and be like, "Did you see this yes. guy?" And the other person's like, "Who?" <laughs> uh, at the same time, though, if you're like a completionist, if you're not going to play at all, it might feel like you're kind of like missing out, or maybe missing out on some of like the biggest uh, things that you can get. You know, mm. I was doing one person's quest last night. Um, who I actually had to use a walkthrough for because it was so obscure and for, so obtuse that right. I would never, ever have figured it out myself because partly because I'd actually been to the locations where they spawned. Uh. So if you're not going back to those locations, and why would you if you banked them? Like, that's just something you're going to miss. If yep. you're expecting them to turn up elsewhere, you just miss them. So that I was that, one that was um, too obscure. Sorry, just to, no, no. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, no. But the one that you mentioned there about the tower, for instance, uh, this is where it gets balanced because mm. I did the tower thing and that was like one of the best moments, like going through those three giants, getting over the to the other side, mm. through the sending gate, getting all the way to the top and getting the grace. I was like, that felt good. <laughs> Whereas for me, I went to that um, that walkway when I initially went through Stormvale Castle and I saw those giants and I went, oh God, whatever. And I saw that the the, um, the bridge was broken. Like it, it doesn't go all the way to the tower. So I was like, well, it can't be that. I can't jump that distance. Um, no, there's a teleportation stone down. It's down a ledge at the end <laughs> of the brick. Like, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, and that was that was a bit annoying of like, well, I've already been here. It's one of those things which is almost a cardinal sin in gaming where you mentally check off somewhere, but that actually was the solution. And it's always like whether or not that's your fault or not um, and, and all those kind of things. But yeah, it's a, it's that whole way of like collating so much information and like kind of like, you know, how much reward you're going to get from it. Um, because it does feel inherently rewarding when you do those things. I was going to mention not specifics, but I did start a quest. Um, one of the ones that comes from Rani um, where it's like, okay, go meet this character in, uh, in like it's, it's, she says something like, oh, it's in the underworld. It's not the underworld, but it's like somewhere in the Mistwood. And I was like, well, I know what that is because I've been to the underworld. Right. So then it was like, well, I took the lift down, which is a big long lift and go down into the underworld and nothing was there. Nothing was different. And it was that feeling of because there's no quest log and there's no real like like world trigger that you you don't even really know you're in the right place you kind of do um and turns out the character you need to meet is just like a good half an hour into the the underworld but you wouldn't know and i ended up doing like a guide thing too where i was like because i'm not going to just waste hours running around you know it was just that feeling and i i know that's what they're going for they want you to just like live in this space and stumble upon stuff um but at some point i just needed to know where i was going and i think that it's that feeling of like i just want to make sure i'm getting the most out of it and yeah. it's like and to be 
be fair, I've not had a session with this where I haven't felt like I got something out of it. Yeah. Um, but it was just that thing. I was like, this character's so cool. I just want to talk to them again. They're here apparently, but I can't see them. I just want to know. Like, I just want to take this in. That's it. And man. yeah, and I know that's that's me wanting the game to be something that it's not. But that was like an instance where I was like, I'm just gonna Google it. Yeah, I think it's because like 99 percent of the time, like it, it it works so well in my mm. opinion, like to stumble upon those or to you know follow a thread that no one's really explicitly stated, but you've had hints for. Mm. You know, for instance, I found the solution to uh, one of the main quests um, last night just because I went to this random dungeon like literally like 30 hours before right. and I kind of re- I remembered something and I was like, holy crap, if I didn't remember that, <laughs> right. I'd have been boned. I'd have been right. like, what is this? Like, what's going on? I've completely forgotten. Uh, and I do think the way markers um, help with that to some regard, mm. but I, I think I think if you're someone who likes to get everything out of the game, if you want to do a completionist run, like you're going to need a walkthrough and it might maybe rob some of the appeal yeah. from... It, I definitely I wouldn't say, say do a. I, w- I definitely wouldn't say use a walkthrough overall. I wouldn't watch a live stream of this game. It would oh, be no. you know you play through a kind of thing. But I think they could have done better with map markers because every time when you when you just hit X on the map, you just put down a shard of light that's the same color and the same symbol every time. And I wish I could denote like a, even if it was just creature or item or something that would be helpful. You can change those things. Can I you? Don't know if it was something I picked up, but I found it last night. Uh, a long time afterwards, but you can like denote if it's like an enemy. It had like a bunch yeah. of different markers that you could pin on there. Uh, I've never had that. I'll figure that out. I think it was like I pressed a button. I can't Brilliant. remember which button it was. But Brilliant. I'll, I'll let you know. Well, potentially working on a, a tips and tricks the game doesn't tell you, so we can put it in there. there. I mean, I've just got blue shards everywhere because I can't <laughs> do anything else. Um, yeah, we should pivot onto uh, other games, other things because Elden Ring ain't going to go anywhere anytime soon. What so. are the games? Well, what exactly. are the things? Exactly. Uh, that's kind of the 2022 energy. I do want to dip into um, Gran Turismo Seven. We did a video on it back when we did the review. Um, you did the review and I, I picked it up as well. And um, or I got given a code, sorry, as well. And um, yeah, that game has a horrendous opening couple of hours. <laughs> but when it gets there, it gets there. And that yeah. game, um, I know a lot of people you know, maybe get turned off by uh, car games and stuff. We'll not spend too much on it. But um, Gran Turismo had a lot to live up to. It's 25 years anniversary. I remember the first three being a massive deal. And this is the first one that I've been excited to jump into in 25, well, in a long time anyway, since like since GT3. Because um, for whatever reason, everyone dropped off after GT3 in terms of a mass audience. I know they still sold. Yeah. But in terms of like conversations, I don't know anyone who's ever mentioned Gran Turismo 456. You say this, and maybe it's because we're a few years apart, but mm. like my friends, the touchstone is four. Like they really? talk about four, they talk about five, then no one talks about six. Maybe but. that's like the Tony Hawk's 2-3 thing, it where like Tony be. Hawk's 2 was the one, but then you talk to someone who's a bit younger, it's like, no, three was the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, exactly, it's two. Yeah. No, it's f- <laughs> it's actually four. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's weirdly uh, Tony Hawk's ride. But anyway, um, the way, yeah, the whole GC7 thing, like I said, it has a horrendous opening, takes ages, there's a really long eight-minute unskippable cutscene um, about the entire history of automotives and everything. It's like, good lord, lads, what are we doing? Um, followed by an arcade minigame, or maybe the other way around, but either way, you're in this weird music minigame. Really weird, giving you very slow cars, yada, yada. But when it finally opens up and you finally get decent cards, you have enough money to buy them, you're finally doing enough races, um, and you can start drinking in how differentiable each car literally feels on the dual sense, yeah. that's when it gets incredible. Where like literally I'm like, I'm looking forward to a sports car um because it feels different in the dual sense and the weather feels different underneath you, let's say, when you're going around the corner. If it's raining, everything feels lighter, everything feels more skatey, like you're like there's um 
Oh, hydroplaning. Like uh, when there's like a buildup of water in between the tire and the, and the road. I was like, that's actually phenomenal. I mean, like it burns the DualSense battery, <laughs> but it feels gorgeous. Like, I mean, like my, like, like, like a Chevrolet feels different to a Volvo or whatever. Like that whole thing is what started to elevate it where I was like, okay, this actually feels lush. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I fully agree that it, it makes a terrible first impression. <laughs> you got to stick with it. Because not only do you have the weird, like this weird musical gimmick to open the what game What is with, that? Music rally? Music rally. And then you go, like you said, into the unskippable cutscene. Mm-hmm. And then like your first races are literally in the slowest cars. You, it, it's, it's, the, the issue is, it's not that the cars are slow. It's that the track is so basic. Like you're literally just cornering's doing- Cornering's terrible on those cars. Yeah, you're just yeah. doing big circles and it doesn't, take any skill and you're like oh my god is this going to be the whole game the main menu as well you don't even unlock multiplayer or editing libraries or liveries whatever you don't or anything at all other than go to the cafe and talk to luca about the idea of better cars 100 like it, it's slow to roll those things out but ultimately in the, in the long run i think it makes you appreciate them more mm. i think it makes you appreciate the cars more and you understand how the car system works what you're going to be doing how to upgrade the cars mm. all of that stuff it's it's slow you definitely need a lot of patience to get into it but like you said once it does open up you know when I was first doing races I was thinking this is like literally slow like it feels slow to drive but that makes it all the better when you finally do get those 200 miles per hour cars Mm. later on and you're flying around and the sense of speed is there and the weight and the dual sense is like hitting you I I love that feeling of being in one of these machines going 200 miles an hour down Mm. a track and having the car itself feel like it's going to fall apart (laughs) your controller's vibrating in such a way you're getting these weird janks in the uh, triggers or whatever and you're like oh my god one false steer here in this thing it might explode. It might just One thing go as well the rails. is that in terms of the dual sense stuff, if you go over, um, you know, if any side of your car touches anything, maybe like maybe uh, a couple of the wheels go over some grass or go over one of the chevrons on a corner, that side of the controller, and it's not even a 50-50 split, like it is however much your car is over, comes through in the controller itself. I was like, that's really, really cool. Totally. Like that's- you can argue it's gimmicky, but I, I, this is the first game where I would hold something up and go, this is worth um, buying a dual sense for. Like I am, um, you know, I appreciate dual sense stuff across the board and everything else so far, but this is the one where it fundamentally adds to the experience. The cars feel different. They handle different. Like, um, speed feels different and cornering feels different. Um, and that's the thing where I was like, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for something to like to like showcase it and not just be like, oh, it's better vibration. The way the Switch did it, yeah. where it's like HD rumble didn't really make much difference. Here, it really, really does. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's like initially because I had my like reviewer hat on it, trying mm. to take notes for the review. I was wondering like, oh, is it is it all that cop? Like, is it better than Returnal? Is it better than Astro? or whatever mm. but when you spend like a lot of time with Astro's it close, it's, yeah. it's it's extremely subtle but effective in the way that it changes from car to car mm. from surface to surface that you only again like like so much of the game you only appreciate after you've accumulated all the knowledge mm. for that and you can appreciate it so much and you're like okay they've done a great job it's not yeah. just a one size fits all kind of deal mm-hmm. no that's the thing I mean I think like um, to overall the, the final point we were going to make it would be quite a quick sort of roundup because we might do this as a talking point next week depending on just how much we still want to talk about Elden Ring I think this might be us <laughs> for the rest of the year. But speaking of the rest of 2022, um, where do you come down on the idea that, you know, 2022 is has blown its load in the first couple of months? That's first good, three months. Grotesque image, that Scott Hill. <laughs> it's a Monday morning, funnily enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, like that whole idea of, you know, when you start running down the sheer amount of stuff that we have from like Pokemon to Dying Light to Horizon to Sifu to Gran Turismo um, to Elden Ring, like it's that whole thing where once you start looking at, let's, let's say you break down the Wikipedia for the rest of 2022, you look at the, the released uh, dates. There are a 
handful of things like um like Gotham Knights. Um the thing is like for me it's it's so just up in the air because I'm just like well but we're potentially getting God of War 2 but we don't know we're potentially getting Breath of the Wild 2 but we don't know. Um Forspoken is kind of out there but I feel like that thing's reception is all over the place like um where yeah where do you come down on how the year feels or how the year like uh, looking forward to the rest of the year. I mean it's definitely front-loaded, isn't it? Like, <laughs> the amount of games we've had over the past month is insane. In yeah. fact, I'm actually looking forward to finishing Elden Ring and having a bit of a break, to mm. be honest, because it's been... I mean, we got we got Horizon early, didn't we? So yep. we were playing Horizon early, we got Sifu, then we straight into Elden. Like, it's been a solid month mm. of, like, hours and hours a night, like, I don't non-stop. Know if I, yeah, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I, I went from... Um, it was, like, 35 hours of... Po- 35 to 40 hours of Pokemon straight into Sifu, because I wanted to get Sifu out of the way, knowing that Horizon was arriving for the review. Yeah. So it was like 20-ish hours of Sifu, beat that, and then straight into 35 hours of Horizon, and then straight into um, Elden Ring. So yeah. it's been, the last month has been a blur. 100%, like hundreds of hours. Like I think it was the same for me. I can't remember what I was playing before Horizon, but it was something straight off that into mm. Horizon, 60 hours in that, 20 hours Sifu, <laughs> then 45 hours encountering an Elden Ring. It's yeah. just been so much... So much video games that I'm actually excited to take maybe the end of March into April kind of off to be Mm. like, right, let me recalibrate (laughs) a little bit and look forward to stuff that's coming up. But yeah, like you said, you know, I'm not down on the rest of the year, Mm. but um, if so much of it is up in the air, you know, we're we're expecting big games to get delayed. Like you said, Breath of the Wild 2, is that going to drop? God of War, is that going to drop? Suicide Squad's apparently already delayed, according according to uh, Jason Schreier. Should they all come out, or at least some of them come out, though, I still think there's lots to look forward to. You know, Mm. I'm looking forward to Final Fantasy 16. I'm looking forward to Gotham Knights. I'm looking forward to other games that I've already forgotten <laughs> about, but I know. Oh, G- uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. That's at the end of March. That's hilarious that that's out on March 25th. Yes. Like, it's just, I feel, I, was, I said it before we were recording, I feel like um, Elden Ring has just wiped everything out. I'm not seeing any tweets about Horizon other than occasionally going, look at this bloom effect from the sunset or something. But um, yeah, it feels like Elden Ring is just a behemoth and it feels like Ghostwire is barely going to make a dent. What? Gran Turismo barely made a dent. It's true, it's true. I think once we get it, I mean, no one should have released that many games in February, no. February man. Like, they should have stretched them out. For me, the interesting thing is, though, I've still got lots to look forward to for the rest of 2022, mm. but I'm excited about what's going to be announced because we haven't had any big any announcements for this year yet. Like, we haven't had e- e- an E3. We haven't true. had Sony State of Play yet. Microsoft's not announced anything uh, for the end of the year, and you have to assume there are going to be big releases to come mm. in the holiday season because, like you said, it's looking a little bit barren at the moment. Mm. Uh, so from what we've got already, providing there's not going to be too many delays, combined with the potential of, like, what if... Like, that gets me excited. You know, I've got stuff that I'm looking forward to, like Starfield. Mm. I've got stuff that might drop, like The Last of Us remake that's coming out, perhaps. You know, all of this weird stuff that could be announced and released uh, within the window of, like, eight months. That's the thing is I'm looking forward to the state of play this month. It seems like it's going to be, like, PSVR 2 is going to get shown off. I I just hope that there's big things there. And then I think Nintendo will do that direct. And I guess we'll just... I'm still waiting for Xbox to do anything. Like, it's... (laughs) I feel like we've been waiting for them for, like, almost a decade at this point. I'm just sort of like, well, you know, when the Series X got announced, and they're like, well, we're rebooting Fable, we're rebooting Forza, we're going to do, uh, we've got Perfect Darks coming, and it's like, okay, but have you got anything at all now? Like, you know, like, do you want to do anything first party that we could talk about en masse, like in, in a similar vein as a Horizon or something? Nothing. I think they've looked out because they've got Bethesda. Like, mm. I am looking forward to two Xbox games this year. There is year. Starfield this year. In the Starfield, there's uh, Redfall, which I know you're not too keen nah. on, but it's for me. So if they announce something alongside that, like, you imagine, like, Forza's got to come out this year? Like, a proper Forza Motorsport? Maybe. 
the reboot that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you've got Perfect Dark, you've got Fable. Uh, hopefully they aren't too far off. I don't think either of those will come out this year. Mm-hmm. Perfect Dark, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I want them to announce something. But that's the exciting thing of, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to, Scott, and <laughs> there's a lot that they could announce. I just hope those announcements do arrive. I have a, a sinking feeling that, just me personally, I have a sinking feeling that this will largely be the energy we have right now for the rest of the year, where it's going to be Elden Ring's incredible. Here's these other things that we can get back to. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know, I'll be amazed if anything sells as well as Elden Ring or is as talked about as Elden Ring. Yeah. Like, because I mean, this is, my Twitter feed might as well be the uh, subreddit for Elden Ring. Like, every <laughs> single post is this thing. And I'm not even actively following the topic. It's just the amount of people talking about it. Um, but yeah, I think that um, it's, we're in a fascinating place and there's so much to be thankful for. I just think it's interesting talking about the way that, you know, why was, why were uh, more releases not staggered across the year? Like, the, everything got punched and kicked into February and March when I, it could have been a year's long rollout. Listen, I'm not a businessman, right? I, I don't <laughs> ever claim to be, but knowing about financial years has kind of ruined mm. everything for me because you you, you know yeah. that these companies just wouldn't delay these games past March when the financial fair, year ends, you know what I mean? So mm. they're, they're putting them all in February because after that, it counts as another financial year. They're going to have to answer to shareholders. They're going to have to shift their projections <laughs> and all of that stuff. And it's once you kind of know that, you're like, well, of course, they're not going to like spread it out. They yeah. missed the chance to spread it out, which for them would have been, you know, the last holiday into this year. None of them hit last holiday because of obvious reasons, you know, pandemic, well, working thing. from home. And yeah. now this is like the cutoff point. So they're like, right, we need to get these babies out now. Well, you would hope that the, the pandemic, COVID, the realities of the last couple of years would make shareholders or whatever be more um, accepting or understanding of the reality of releasing this stuff. But instead, it's all just been thrown out and everything cannibalizes everything else. And like, you know, Elden Ring sold 2.5 times more than Horizon. I know Horizon isn't exclusive, but still, Horizon didn't really get its day in the sun because it was cut off by Elden Ring like a week later. Yeah. Um, same as the first Horizon with Breath of the Wild. So things like that, I think, could have been um, staggered a bit better, even if they have to take a financial hit. Um, it'll it'll work itself out over time. You don't need to hit this deadline necessarily. Um, but whatever, there's a ton of different things to um, talk about. I, chances are we'll dive more into Elden Ring next week. We'll try and bounce the topics with other stuff. I'm sure there's other video games that exist. I mean, you've not <laughs> even played Ollie Ollie World yet, so there's hey, plenty of time. There's a little game called Grand Theft Auto V coming out soon. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, uh, or will that be out by this time next week? Maybe not. That'll be out on, I think, just after this next podcast. Right. It's out on the 15th, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll dive back into Grand Theft Auto V in 2022. Because <laughs> what else can you do? Um, for now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 